Hi, I'm Sherry Williams, and together with my husband, Dr. Ed Williams, we're on a mission helping women feel beautiful and confident at every age. We've been married for 22 years, and one of the most amazing things we've done together is raise four beautiful kids. Over the past 25 years, together with our team, we've built a successful facial plastic surgery practice and have helped so many women who struggle with so many things. Come hang out with us as we share our secrets on all the things. Let's do this. We are back. How are you? Hello, everyone. Hi, friends. How is everybody this week? I'm good. They're not going to answer us. Well, you're asking the question. You said everyone. I'm one person. Everyone and you included. Okay. Everyone. Everybody. So this is episode three, which we're a little excited about because it's kind of our story together and how we ended up where we are. Yeah. So I think it's always interesting to talk to people. Well, I like to hear people's stories. Exactly. Yeah. You just, you know, it's nice to hear how somebody ends up where they end up and listen, everybody always has struggles and, um, yeah. Trials, tribulations. It's good. It's get, you, get you across the finish line. So I tell our kids, right? To make you tough. Yes. Who you are. Yes, yes, yes. Appreciate so, what you have. Also. Yeah. So we'll just kind of dig in and start this off, and hopefully it'll be kind of informative and gain a little insight for everyone as to how we ended up where we did. So if you don't know already, I'm Sherry Williams, and my husband is Dr. Ed Williams, and we have a facial plastic and plastic surgery practice in upstate New York. And we kind of do all the things there. Yeah, pretty much everything. But um, where'd you grow up? Where did I grow up? I'm a Midwestern girl, I guess you could call me. Um, My dad's family grew, well, he grew up in Missouri and then moved to Michigan. And so I was born and raised in Michigan. I'm Mm. a Michigan girl. Yeah. So how'd you end up here? How'd I end up here? Um, my mom's brother lives in this area. He no longer does. Now he lives in Florida, but he lived here. And so after high school, I decided I needed to spread my wings. I was kind of the rebellious child. While I wasn't a trouble, you know, I wasn't a kid that was in trouble. I just was the kid that felt the need to get out. Like I had to get out. And I wasn't the best student in high school. No, I think you were, from what I understand, quite bad. Quite bad. According to your dad, you were a lost cause. According to my father. That's what he says. I'm sure moms and dads have different opinions of their children than the children have themselves. Well, I wasn't a lost cause. I just, I didn't know any better. You know, my parents... um, Well, I think that's where I fell in. That I just... I liked all the social aspects of school. Mm -hmm. I loved all having fun, going, being in clubs, um, part of groups, all that kind of stuff. And the academics for me, uh, we didn't get along very well in high school. Well, I think I could have gotten along. I, you know, by the time I got to high school, I had ignored school for so long at that point that I kind of, it was a confidence thing. But, well, kind of, I mean... I wasn't one of the, what I consider the goody two-shoes. You know, I I'd certainly, I mean, I had crappy SAT scores. I think they were like 960 or something, which was terrible. But I worked, I liked to work. Um, I worked on a dairy farm from 14 until 21, 22, 
uh, partway through med school, realizing I needed something else to do. But I like to work. And that kind of took up a lot of time um, other than sports wrestling, which kind of training year round. But um, I just uh, didn't put the time into school. Mm -hmm. And my my dad was one of seven and he was the only one that graduated high school. You know, I kind of knew I needed to get an education, but I wasn't really uh, like a formal. I mean, I think my parents always talked about college and the importance of it, but that was about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there was no push. So, you know, that was kind of a, I don't want to say a disaster, but a missed opportunity for me anyway. Yeah. Well, I think for me, going, you know, as I got toward the end of high school, then it was like panic mode. Like I knew that obviously I had to do something. And, you know, my father basically sat me down toward the end of graduation. You've heard this story multiple times mm -hmm. and basically gave me three options. Yeah. None of which were good. No. Well, they were good, but I didn't see them as good. I could go to school, live at home, and, you know, they would help me through school and completely live by his rules, which I didn't really care for. Two, I could work part-time, or work full-time, live at home, pay rent, and live by his rules. So I definitely didn't like that choice. And number three was, what was number three? I don't remember what number three was. I think what after about? one and two, oh yeah, number three was just hit the you're bricks. See you later. Yeah. You get to hit, you know, you're going to hit the road. And I graduated high school at 17. So that was actually, I think, I don't know, maybe it was something that I heard all the time year after year of school. I always felt a little bit behind, and I did feel a little bit behind. Yeah, and it this. wasn't until my first year of college where I kind of had to go back a little and take some classes that I did not do well in high school that I finally earned A's. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think, you, you know, you get to a point where you believe that you – Yes. are behind and you kind of did because clearly you did very well in nursing school so you, you had the brights and it was like me later on I you know for me I you know I worked on the farm and I, I really wanted to become a veterinarian that was really what I wanted to do and I I think we, we my my parents took me up to Cornell because that, that's where that school was and they basically very politely told me that look you're never going to get into this school kind of thing um certainly vet school is a far reach but your best shot is to go to some good two-year school, uh, major in science of some sort, mm -hmm. and then maybe you'll get into Cornell. And that's that was what I was told, and that's basically what I did. I, I uh, and first couple of years of college were I don't want to say struggle, but they were not fun. I knew I needed a four zero to get into Cornell. Mm -hmm. I needed, and I was a chemistry major, and that was the only thing that was going to get me there. Yeah. So that's what I did. Um, and for me, mine was either I loved teaching. Or I also love nursing, and I don't really know where that stemmed from other than, I don't know, I guess when you're, you know, you see a lot of nurses that are very naturally nursing, caring, compassionate, right. those kind of right. things. But really, if I really think about it, if someone really sat me down like, hey, what are things you really like? I loved being creative. I loved like design. I loved art. I wasn't good at, you know, it's not like I was good at drawing or things like mm -hmm. that, but I, I enjoyed pieces of art that I was good at. Um, you know, I probably would have been very happy taking a path in some type of design work. 
but that's okay. I mean, it's fine because in, you know, there's ways that you can figure out those things for yourself later in life when you have other pieces put together. So at least I knew that nursing would be a great job that I would be very happy with, enjoy, earn an income. And, you know, down the road, I was able to implement some other things on the creative side that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Well, for me, I'm trying to think back, you know, at the the time, what was going through my head. I mean, I knew, I knew I was not afraid of hard work, you know, after years of working on a farm, I knew I was not afraid of hard work. That, and I figured, I I figured maybe I'm not as smart as a lot of people, but I knew I could outwork most people. Hmm. I mean, I learned that from the farm. All you gotta do is just keep plugging away. We used to, every year we get these people to come on, these guys that come on, their parents would bring them out, these big burly guys and to throw hay, you know, and they want, they need a job on the farm and I could outwork them because I would just pace myself. Mm-hmm. I was like the tortoise. But um, <clears throat> I knew I also wanted, I wanted to, to do more. I wanted more. We, we certainly didn't grow up, you know, what I would consider poor, but um, I, I mean, it really, but I do remember in the, you know, sad, late seventies, early eighties, my dad mixing powdered milk with a regular milk mm-hmm. to make it go longer. And I remember the, the powdered milk. I remember yeah. And I remember, milk. you know, the gas lines and the talk about, Right. money and yeah. concern. So, you know, I knew I didn't, I didn't want to worry about money. I wanted to work hard enough and make enough that, and I wasn't afraid of it. So, um, my first semester was kind of a disaster. I still remember I kept it until you know, we lost it in house fire, but I had my mid semester report card, <laughs> which is that. a 1.94. I that think my parents not, probably had mine. That is not good at one nine four, you know, by, so, uh, no, I ended up with a 294 at the end of my first semester. I had um, a 2.17 in mid-semester. That's mm-hmm. not good. Yeah. So I had 2.1 mid-semester. No. And then I ended up with a, you know, with a, a 294 at the end of my first semester. By the time I finished uh, at that school, I had uh, basically, uh, you know, a 3.8 or something. Three eight. By the time I finished Cornell, it was a 3.72 or something. But that, that's what got me into medical school. But, um, but you wanted to go to vet school. So... Yeah. At the beginning and then mid-semester, end of the year, whatever it was, somewhere in there, was it a counselor that spoke to you? Did you just no. know that you had to rise to the occasion well, and really do a lot better? And- uh, well, the first the first semester really was I, – I didn't have to study, honestly. I really mm-hmm. didn't. Um, you know, I it, it takes – that's that's what high school's for, right? right? To teach you how to do those things. I My, my studying skills are in, uh, were not good. So – I worked that out. I got to Cornell. When I was a third year student, um, I was applying to vet school because at that point I got my grades up and and I, and I had done enough work to show that I was uh, had what I needed to. But um, I applied to vet school, and uh, for some reason, there's an entrance exam called the GRE, and the GRE scores never made it to Cornell. I checked the other vet schools that that were out of state and they made it for whatever reason. Um, and they denied me. And mm. so I was so pissed off and, <laughs> and I still remember it. It was probably April or something that I marched up to the vet school and I spoke to the Dean who was a woman and she was not nice. Um, and at that time they were taking, I think there were 72, 73 people being accepted to Cornell uh, vet school and they took 59 women because they had mm. been sanctioned by, I don't know who some governing body, to say that, you know, you haven't been taking enough women because it was an old oh. man's club by that back then, right, you know. Right. So so they basically said, look, the odds are against you, right? The odds are against you. And by the way, you got another year. And I was so pissed off 
there was a, a woman in my class. I still remember her name, Joanne Valeriano. And I actually looked her up. Well, I was telling some of the story. She's an internist. She went to Sinai um, Internal Medicine. I think she practices in Florida now. But she was in my class. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of friendly. And she said to me, did you ever think of medical school? Because she wanted to go to vet school. And she just did both applications, you know, kind of a high power Long Island right. family told. And she said, you got to do both. So the next year I was so pissed, pissed off and I wanted to be around large animals and horses and whatever. And I, and I thought to myself in dairy and I thought to myself, well, you can't make make money in dairy. You just it's hard you right. can, with dairy animals. I mean, it really and most sure of the farmers today versus then. It's it was even, even more yeah. difficult. I remember old Doc Bartle. I used to ride with him and, you know, he'd he'd be all day with his, you know, arm up a cow's backside and then get home at, you know, nine, 10 o'clock at night having to do his bills. Yeah. And that didn't look real appealing to me, mm-hmm. you know? So I started to think about this and I spent a lot of time work. I worked in a small animal hospital and didn't really enjoy that. You know, I mm-hmm. love animals, but right. I like the large animals. And, and I started thinking the next year, uh, I took the MCATs and, and didn't apply to vet school. Mm-hmm. I applied to med school and got in the rest of history. But, um, and I thought to myself at the time, well, I can, you know, I can, if I make a decent living, I can always have animals. I can so always did have. You, did your friend Joanne ever know that you no. ended up going to I don't. School? I don't know. In That's fact, funny. no, I've always thought because I, I. Send her a letter, yeah, card, yeah. flowers. Um, yeah, I probably should do that sometime. That you know, nice. I think she's in Florida somewhere. Um, anyway, but that was, that was to me kind of a turning point, um, you know, and now I'm off, off going to medical school. But I always, you know, I grew up around agriculture and mm-hmm. I grew up out in the country and that's why I love where we live now. And that's always wanted to get out to the country. And quite frankly, if you think about, you know, where are universities and medical schools, they're all in and around cities. And so even when I did my fellowship in Chicago, you know, I always longed to get back out into the country. That's where I wanted to be. Yeah. Well, where I'm from in Michigan, same thing. You could drive five minutes out of the little town I grew up in and it's all agriculture, farming, beautiful, beautiful country. So for me, my jobs, when I was younger, I did a lot of babysitting. I did retail, always in clothing, which I loved, fashion. And, you know, my grandparents were entrepreneurs and they had a jewelry store. So I think for me, because I was in that environment when I was younger, I always envisioned myself like growing up having my own store of some sort. Yeah. I didn't know what it would be. Um, I didn't really, I guess, when high school came along and then going off to college, I don't know why I never really was directed toward business. I don't know. I feel like maybe just the counseling wasn't like it is today for kids to help you find a path that go along with your interests um, because I would have enjoyed that too. Yeah. Um, but I loved working in my grandparents' store, jewelry store, and more so as obviously as I got older and you know you're a young girl working in a store like that, all the pretty jewelry and mm-hmm. sparkly things and helping people when they would come in. I liked the customer service side of it when people would come in, whether it was shopping for engagement rings or gifts for someone, whatever it was, um, and. I watched my grandparents and how they dealt with customers and the community held them in very high regard because they were really the only jewelry store in this little northern Michigan town. So that it was just kind of a really special time, I would say. That yeah. it was always fun for us to go up there and be able to work in the store. And my grandparents always made us kind of feel special because we could, you know, kind of be in the store and we felt 
kind of cool, you know? Yeah. So how did you end up here? Uh, my my uncle was here. So when I came out here, I, I knew I had to kind of, like, do something. So I came out, um, lived with my aunt and uncle for a little while, and got a job at a bank. And I did that shortly and realized that was not the path for me. And then I switched gears. And because I had had all that retail experience, I became an assistant manager at a retail clothing store, which was kind of neat. So Mm. I was kind of like one of the younger ones that they had ever had, but I had all this experience. So I was able to get this assistant manager job um, at a retail store in a mall clothing store. And I really like that. I like the additional responsibility. And, you know, when you're just a sales clerk or whatever you're called, sales associate, uh, you don't really know all the behind the scenes Mm. of the management piece. And when I did that, it kind of brought me back to like being in the store with my grandparents, like, you know, Mm. so it's kind of funny how those things turn back around um, and you're able to experience those. But I realized then too, that I needed a different path as a, you know, retail is great and it's fun and all those things, but the store is open at, you know, nine to nine kind of thing. And I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to have that work schedule for in the future. Yeah. So fast forward, where did nursing come in? So then, I don't know, I guess I just decided that I needed to, you know, I needed to revisit the whole college experience. And uh, so I just, that's what I did. I just went to school and decided that was going to be my path. So I did all my prereqs first because I had been out of school for a couple years and I knew for me as just from my history as being a student and I was scared. I'll admit that, that Mm -hmm. I just felt like I wasn't sure how I would tackle it all because I wasn't a successful student at all, um, pretty much ever. And it was intimidating to me, that process of college. So I just started slow. I started with just a few classes and those were, you know, the first time in my life that I really got straight A's at anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I did have to drop one class though, New York State History. Because I've had like four classes at once and mm. it was just like, that was silly. That was too much. Um, but anyways, in the end, it all worked out. It just mm. took me a lot longer. Yeah. You know, so um, in some ways, when I look back at it, I wish that I definitely had more gratitude for my high school years. Mm. Well, I think we all do. And that's why, yeah, I mean, isn't that why we, I don't want to say push, but you try to, you know, encourage or push your kids because you look yes. at the opportunity. If I had just done it So I missed out on a lot of opportunity. I, I did didn't too. have the college life that our yeah. kids are experiencing. Right. I didn't have all those things. Do I feel like I needed it? Not really. But I got to tell you, I, I mean, had a I great don't... time with my friends when I was with them. Uh, it was just different and that's fine. I recognized that that was my path. And I own that, and it's fine. But I also, you know, didn't. I went from a two-year school uh, to a four-year school. I didn't have a lot of friends, and it was it was an uphill grind to get the grades that I needed to get to get into medical school. Yeah. So I don't have a lot of fond memories of mm-hmm. college. I mean, um, and I think that's one of the reasons why you know when we look at friends of ours who. Um, you know, put a, a, the, the gold platter to get their kid in the best name school that they can, you know, whether it's, uh, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, oh, right? Yeah. The $60,000 school. And I don't want to say names, right? But, right. but I mean, yeah, I'm not putting it on a platter for my kids. They got to earn it. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think that there's colleges and you feel the same way. And I think this is why we're, we're consistent with this, 
that colleges are very much like wine. It's easy to overpay. Right. Uh, there and are I a lot of great when, values out when there. I look at what's going on now in yeah. that climate of yeah. education and buying your kids way and all that stuff. I look at the, what I learned as life skills for myself. Right. But if you make it too that, easy. No, exactly. I would have missed out on learning all these amazing things for myself right. that in the end, while it took me extra time and, you know, all those things to get to the end, mm-hmm. when I got to the end, it was mine and I earned it myself. Well, and for me, I learned, like I've said, you know, one of the life skills I've learned through that whole process is that I could outwork most people. Right. You know, I just, I learned that and I learned discipline. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was, uh, you know, it's interesting now I see even some of the medical students that come through who really haven't, I mean, Kate, our daughter, who's, you know, some of these, some of the kids have never really had a job, right. you know, which Ever. is to me just blows my mind. Anyway, so that's kind of, you know, how do we, yeah, how so do we then, meet you each know, other? So then we, um, you know, go through all of that and then it's, you know, you get to the point where you have to start making decisions on where you're headed. So for you, you were, you know, medical school, then off to residency and you have to decide what path you're going to take. And in nursing, it's basically the same way. You decide at some point what path that you wanted to take. And I was fascinated with surgery. I thought that was kind of super cool. And obviously you did somewhere along the line. Well, it wasn't always. I mean, I, I loved, um, so I was a chemistry major and then, you know, I, I switched into physiology because, um, I was basically told, you know, that was a better path for medical school, but I don't know that it really was. I see kids now that come with finance degrees and they, you know, anyway, so I, I loved physiology. That was my thing. I loved, uh, I took some really cool uh, courses at Cornell. One was a, at the vet school, it was a physiology, it was just like a 600 level physiology course. And we had a lab where it was a cardiac lab and it was, um, it was incredible. And I thought I wanted to be a cardiologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I stayed in Buffalo in my second year, at the end of my second year of medical school, thinking, you know, I really wanted to work on the farm, but I, I, I got to do something for my career, right? So I stayed there and I got a, um, through the American Cancer Society, a fellowship, whatever it was called, some kind of a stipend for a couple thousand bucks to work. Uh, and, and, and I did it late. It was the, through the Cancer Society. So all the good stuff was taken, I think. Okay. And they put me over to VA. Well, at the VA... Somehow I got put on the head neck, ENT head neck surgery service, scrubbed on a couple of cases and I was hooked. Um, so that's you how the head and neck surgery. Yeah. So I, that's how I got, that's how I got, you know, and there was a, this guy, Dr. Pruitt, he was, uh, he's dead now, but he kind of mentored me. I mean, he was in, he was, a, you know, he was, these mentors really make a difference, but he, he mentored me and really, really encouraged me. And then I decided I wanted to do ENT and. And that's how I ended up at Syracuse. And then I was fascinated by trauma. So then I, I, I thought, well, I wanted to do maybe plastics. And I was fascinated by noses and rhinoplasty. So I did a fellowship in facial mm-hmm. plastic surgery in, in, in Illinois, University of Illinois, University of Chicago in 91, 92. And then moved thinking, where do I want to live? I mean, I had a great opportunity. But my, my family was in the Northeast. My, I had a sister in Connecticut. My family was in Hudson Valley. I didn't want to live in Manhattan. I just didn't. You I didn't want to live there. Thing. Well, you know, I like it, but well, you know, I like it, but after about forty-eight hours, mm-hmm. I'm done. You know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I, I thought Boston would be cool, but I didn't want to live in Boston either. So I picked. Didn't know a soul here in Albany, and I uh, and so I picked the Capital District. 
because there were mountains nearby, Vermont. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of horses around between Saratoga yeah. and and that that's how I just kind of randomly picked well, coming here. Well, filled your country boy heart. Yeah, so that's how I ended up. Back to your roots where, a little bit. Didn't know a soul. Just you decided would not I was going to be in a city. No, just decided I was going to go do it on my own. Didn't know a soul. Figured I, you know, people said, "What are you going to do for coal? What are you going to do, you know, for money?" And I said, "I don't know. I'll figure it out." And I went out on my own and just started working the ERs and that type of thing. And mm-hmm. you know, eventually you wear people down. They think you're decent, and they send you somebody, right? Because no one else responds, and that's how I kind of started to practice and build things from there. Yeah, which is pretty amazing, really. When you know, I mean, just knowing what I know now, mm-hmm. um, that's. Pretty amazing that you well, I was that and just on your own. Basically, point blank, told by the bigger groups that I would fail. You right. know, lots of luck. Oh. He he he. You know, um, but you remember? Negative well, actually, good. no. What actually? It's actually. Uh, it really drives me yes. when somebody tells me I can't do something. Yeah. It just pisses me off, and I'm yeah. like, okay, okay. Watch, watch me. me. But you know, do you remember watch when I had like me. when in the office when you first you start to come through there, and um, I had like you know couple charts oh yeah like, gosh yeah and i wouldn't let them remember well, the story i started there? in the office because you needed help with hair transplant so is that how it I, started yeah because i was in in the nursing school whatever it was i don't know but you needed that was really what you needed help mm-hmm. with because you were going to start doing hair transplants and you needed technicians and so i thought well this will be a great way to see how i like private practice and some type of surgery without it being, you know, the hospital operating room is quite different. And I really enjoyed that because you have the opportunity to see patients before their surgery, during their surgery, Mm -hmm. and then the post-op care. And so Mm -hmm. for me, I think because I'm a people person that I was happier with that. I do like the operating room, but if you're solely in the operating room and I can see why that's attractive to a lot of people, um, you kind of just, that's your job. You just see everybody and they're pretty much asleep and you get to send them on their way mm-hmm. and then they go to recovery and off they go. And for me, being in the practice and following patients through their care, mm-hmm. I really, really like that. But I think it also, I mean, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I also think knowing you now and knowing your, um, you know, your sense of aesthetics and beauty and... Uh, what's you know I don't say social but um, what I think that that would more likely appeal to you yeah than maybe the functional aspect right I mean mm-hmm. you know whether I think that's the beauty of nursing though because there's so many different ways that you can make nursing work for yourself yeah which is it's amazing because and not all fields do you have that possibility yeah. So, so then we kind of remember when we, um, so that was at the, the, the hospital professional building. Right. And then, you know, I don't know how many years, five you were What's there. What's that? And then we built uh, our practice. 92. I was there from 92 until 98. So, uh, we moved into the building and, uh, I, let's see, it was, um, and I bought the land in 97, 98. We bought, yeah. I mean, we kind of, I, when I was in nursing school, so I started nursing school in, let's see, 97, mm. because we were married in August 97, 
And I basically started school like a week later. Right. So we got married August 97. We had... You got pregnant about like a week later. No, not a week that. later. But <laughs> we got pregnant like November, December. I remember that. Yeah. 97. Because we went to a party. Remember we went to Lynn's party. Lynn that worked for... Somebody at Albany Med, and you knew you were pregnant at that party. It was your birthday, around your birthday. Yeah, I think it was Frank and Mary, actually, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyways, yeah. So, um, so married, nursing school, first baby over the summer of my first year of nursing school. Yeah. Back to nursing school for second year, pregnant before I graduated. Yeah. So, I was kind of, it was a little bit of a joke, you know, when they pass out the awards at the end of the school year. Yeah. Like with the accomplishments, so it was yeah. like one of the funny ones that I and we moved. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we moved. We were building the office. Yeah. We had a few crazy, crazy years of you know. So I was kind of like the student who was most likely to I don't know have a gajillion kids or something because I ended up getting pregnant twice in two years. So right. That was we had a lot going on then. Yeah, and it. I mean, it's it's a lot. I mean, I I think back to. You know that time. It's it's a tough time mm-hmm. trying to juggle all that. Well, babies. and you're you know ultimately in your career, obviously has to be high priority and making sure that you're you know happy, healthy, like all those things, so that you can do your job really well. Yeah. And so I just it was just a little crazy time. Yeah. But it was all good. It was all good. So now I would say you know it's so funny because. 25 years later, right? The practice. Yeah. That, um, to see how it's grown and what's happened in that amount of time. Because I think when I started in the office, there were maybe four employees, mm-hmm. three or four. And now there's a lot, 75 ish. Yeah. Well, yeah, actually, I remember when you, when, when you and I started kind of dating, um, I remember I sat Marianne down and told her, remember Mary, because, yeah. No, who was it? It wasn't Marianne. Who was it? somebody else? Because Marianne wasn't there. You hired Marianne. Oh yeah, I don't know. No, you. I think you hired me because you were working there. I think you hired Marianne because I remember I talked to a couple. I sat a couple people down, mm-hmm. and um, but at that time too, I was kind of like in and out, so right, it was fine. And that's when we decided you know it was good for you to kind of. Yeah, out of the practice for a while well, because I also you, then had babies. Yeah. yeah, and I, I just you know it's it's hard to have the dynamic. I, you know, believe that it's unless, especially when you're in an influential role in the practice, it's mm-hmm. hard to have that and have the dynamics work yes, and, and the I timing just worked out with the very, kids. And know. I still am very hypersensitive to the I say in quotation marks doctor's wife. Um, whatever that means, but I think there's a stereotype for that and I don't want to fall into that ever. Right. Um, I kind of like doing my own thing and being my own person Mm -hmm. and, you know, yes, you're a doctor and yes, I am your wife. Um, I don't know. So I just never want anyone to think that I'm that. I think you do a pretty good job of that. I mean, we intentionally didn't have you like physically working there for many years um, even though I pretty much talk to you about everything, but, um, yeah, I think I, you know, I still, I still worked within the practice, but it was behind the scenes. Yeah. I mean, and so, I enjoyed that too, like the decision-making of the business. And so then it was even seeing the other side of it, which is kind of unique and different that 
because I understood the clinical side and the patient side and the patient care side. And then it was nice to kind of pay attention more to the business side. Yeah. Well, and that I've enjoyed tremendously. Yeah. I well, really and you've that. also, I mean, you've also seen when I lose sleep. <laughs> because yes. you know, because when we we've made some big decisions along the way, and some of them are scary. You know, I was when we put the facility and the building in. It was 1998. I was about 37, 38 years old. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, twenty one thousand square foot facility signed a big note to the bank. I mean, it was scary stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, you know? and, and the then there were a number of different, operating rooms. right, and Not so there were. Does that. You know, there were there were a number of those bumps in the road and decisions, um, you know, and anyone who has a business of their own has struggles and uh, it doesn't quite leave their mind, which is that's the that's the curse of the thing. So I'll just take a second to acknowledge anybody who's in business, who is successful, who has done it a long time. You've kept your things together. It's not easy. So, like, kudos to anybody doing that, because. There's so many things that can happen negatively along the way. From, markets change, lose key people, yes. you know, all that stuff. Um, so if you're doing it and you've figured out a way to be successful at it, that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. And people should be acknowledged for that. So what else should we talk about? Because we're getting close, running out of time here. You know, we told a little bit about our story and how we, you know. Yeah, um, I think that. You know, we had a couple questions that came through, and one was just this, like, how did you end up getting to where you are? And I think for both of us, we were raised in very similar um, well, philosophies. Have, yeah, very similar values. I think that's helpful. Values. Yes. And With I raising think kids, that, too. Yes, that that's, you know, that molds and shapes people. In we have similar discipline styles. Become. I think that's helpful. I've seen a lot of, you know. You know, we, we both believe it's important to love our kids, but also to not be their friends and we're there to discipline them, you know, and I think our discipline styles are similar. I mean, sometimes I'm a little over the top and you give me the, you know, I mean, well, I, need to, I need to, you know, yeah. lighten up. I think you say, you know, yeah. all right, you need to lighten up. So <laughs> because, you know, anyway, so I think that's been out of, out of everything, raising kids is certainly not an easy it's weird being on this side of it now you know i mean we had our share of challenges too i remember you know in the early years it with me traveling a lot i mean and i'm grateful for that i mean i could not have not i could not have accomplished what i accomplished in our society in our organization um teaching business wise without that support and i you know i i'm grateful for that because i know I have colleagues of mine who don't have the support, you know, and I think that, and there were times that, you know, I look back, I think I'm, I'm better for it now, but there were times when I was, you know, um, I don't know, so I maybe too focused on mm-hmm. things, and, you know, well, those, accidents humble yeah. you and things like that. Oh, I mean, yeah. I had my accident that, that humbled me, made me realize my priorities, you know, not that I didn't before because our kids were always no, a priority. You- and it's not a bad thing because you know how to self-correct. Um, maybe when we were a little bit younger, I had to, you know, kind of give you like gentle reminders when you needed to self-correct. Yeah. That you are so driven and so focused that you you just sometimes get... And I realize it. You know, yeah. put the blinders on. That's why typically I, you know, well, I, you know, I follow your lead when you when you would, you know... Well, remember, 
the very first time you thought about opening the practice in Manhattan. In the city. Yeah, I do remember that, yeah. And we had a very... <laughs> heated discussion. I well, remember a little the bit heated phone discussion when I yeah. told you that that definitely was not in the cards. Yeah, and I don't... You know, the, the problem with having a... Um, entrepreneurial spirit, if you want to call it that. I mean, you know, in medicine, it's our obligation to always put our patient's needs first mm-hmm. and and quality of care first. I mean, that's Hippocratic right. Oath, right? But I still grew, I still have had an entrepreneurial spirit. I grew up that way. My dad had all kinds of things going on. But the challenge you have with that is it's easy to, um, I don't say get bored, but look for other opportunities. I call it well, batting at shiny objects, yes. you know. And sometimes that's how raccoons get caught in traps, you know, by the way. So, you know, it's important to – but sometimes you need to pump the brakes on your ideas because mm-hmm. they aren't necessary – don't necessarily make good business sense. Well, I think, too, um, we both kind of suffer from this, yeah. which is not taking the time to stop and enjoy – your accomplishments because mm-hmm. we, you know, you like accomplish it and then it's like, okay, what's next on the list? Mm-hmm. Let's just, you know, we're, we're almost like two steps ahead because we'll start doing the next thing and we accomplish this thing. Right. And instead of just Some taking a minute, it being an overachiever, I mean, you know, and if you listen to a lot those of are the, things we're learning, no, the, we're you learning know, how to do that. Yeah. Enjoy what you have and, 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 um, you know, appreciate your successes and not mm-hmm. feel like, um, you know, you haven't done as well as you should, you kind right. of thing, which I think is, you know, is well, we're just have continued gratitude for one, our, everyone that works with us, the team that we have, they're amazing. Yeah. I've um, never, every year it our gets patients, better. Our patients are absolutely amazing. We're constantly, you know, receiving gifts and right. you brought one home the other day. It's so sweet. And so it's, I love this form of medicine and I think that any aspect of medicine, if you're if you're in that and you're caring for patients, it's um, it's a nice way to have a you know like a social piece of it, caring for someone. Well, first of all, the way I look at it, um, you know, in the early years when I did a lot of more reconstructive work, and you know that was very gratifying. Um, you know, as my practices evolve more into an aesthetic practice, I mean, you take care of high-performing people mm-hmm. who have high expectations, and um, you know, many of them are very appreciative because it makes a big difference in the way they feel about themselves. Right. So that there's that that part that that you know, uh, fulfillment piece for me. Uh, I also have changed. You know, one thing I pay a lot more attention to now is the impact I'm having on the people that work with us. You know, mm-hmm. our team and. I've never been happier. We have an amazing, an absolutely amazing management team now. Um, we've got about a half a dozen, you know, people that really drive the place forward. And I never used to, uh, to me, I get a lot more um, fulfillment out of making a better life for my team. Yeah, which is nice. Well, you know, and it's, it's not the way we're trained. Mm-hmm. You know, we're trained right. as technicians, as performers to think about ourselves. We're not... Mm-hmm we're not trained as business people Mm -hmm. in the business world. You know, I always thought it was kind of selfish. It was all about money. It really isn't. If, if you are a really good business person, you're a really good leader. You are thinking about your people and your team. And, and that's something that is not, that's something that was learned for me. I didn't, Mm -hmm. 
that's not intuitive. I didn't like know that one day. I it's from a lot of the leadership training and things that I mean you you take a look at the best leaders. They sit down, they look you in the eye, and they are genuinely interested in you. I think of uh, mm-hmm. Frank Schmeler and some of the people we right. know that are incredible leaders. You know, um, they are genuinely interested in caring. So, if you don't care for your people and your team, you're not going to have a, a good team. So right. that to me is is kind of how the last many years, um, you know, the practice has mm-hmm. has evolved. And I well, get and a great sense of satisfaction. To, you know, to really rise to being able to uh, provide world-class care to our patients. Yeah, you so can't do it on comes your... back to that yeah, is our patient right. care is so important yeah. and we have to have the right key people. In yeah, place. You can't do it yourself. No, you absolutely can't do it yourself. And that's that I will say it's also one of my struggles now, you know, just trying to attract the best talent, mm-hmm. give them the sales, the, the skills and the training. And then, you know, work with them to deliver and get out of their way, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, part of being a good leader is, is not micromanaging and being able to get out of the way. Well, it's been exciting and fun and interesting yeah. to watch it evolve and turn into that. So we have to wrap it up because we we're getting, to wrap we're getting to the so end of this. But this is just kind of our story. So it's something that's a little bit different and, um, you know, maybe you enjoyed it. We hope you did. Uh, you can always follow us on social media if you want to learn more of all the things. we got a lot of cool stuff going on right now. We do actually. have a lot of cool stuff going or, on. Uh, some things we want to talk about, some some exciting announcements, but not, not ready for prime time <laughs> quite yet. So, uh, yeah, so we'll follow keep... us along on social media because um, there's always little hints and secrets going on over there. So you can follow... Dr. W on edwin.williams.md. You can find me on Instagram at Ms. Sherry Williams. And you can also find us on our websites. So hope you have a great week. So have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. Hey, everyone. That was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the episode of the secrets podcast today please consider subscribing on itunes and sharing it with your friends as newbies in the podcasting world we promise to do the best we can every single week and then do better and we appreciate your support as we navigate the joys of the world of technology hey i have a great idea let's stay in touch you can find me on instagram at ms sherry williams facebook sherry williams and online at sherrywilliams.org And you know what? Head over there and receive my five top tips on anti-aging and feeling refreshed and rejuvenated every single day. And remember, it's absolutely all right to be bold, be beautiful, because that's being you. Until next time, XOXO, Sherry.